Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Whatcast with Simon and Will, my host today. Will, how you going mate? Doing great Simon. Uh, what's today's topic? Today we are looking, I guess it's interoperability and we're specifically looking at the layer zero. So what is layer zero? What can you tell us about it? Uh, layer zero is an omni-chain interoperability protocol. That's a mouthful. Uh, in short, it just means it's a communication protocol between blockchains. It makes it really easy, really cheap for blockchains to talk to each other which is totally different from uh, what uh, other people have tried to do. That's Cosmos, uh, Polkadot, ThorChain. They've all got the solution to how blockchains com communicate. So layer zero is a little bit different. So let's get into that then, because I know ThorChain, I've used ThorChain before. How does layer zero do this interoperability and what makes it different? So the thing is, when you're communicating between blockchains, you've got to make sure that the message you're sending is secure, right? Because there's money involved and how a lot of these different blockchains do it, like Cosmos, Polkadot, uh, you know, they create blockchains and they connect them uh, through uh, validators that all confirm that the message you're sending is correct. So how the Zero does this is totally different, uh, really cheap. Uh, it uses just two things. Uh, one is a relayer, which is essentially just a server that sends a message. And then the other one is an Oracle, which is also very similar. And all it does, it uses uh, some pretty clever math to make sure that the message that you're sending through the Oracle and the relayer is correct. So it's quick, cheap, easy for any developer to use. Okay, so if I can try and uh, break this down in, in an analogy for people so they can understand it. Like blockchains don't talk to each other. They're not designed to talk to each other. And so what we're trying to do with layer zero is allow these blockchains to actually talk to each other. And if you give it, a, I guess, a, an example, I guess, back in the day, Windows PCs and Apple computers didn't actually talk together. They, you couldn't send files between them. You couldn't build something on one on, a, on an Apple computer and send it to a Windows computer. They didn't have that interoperability. They had to build into the systems an ability for this interoperability. So is, is that what we're trying to do with layer zero? We're trying to make a seamless interaction between these different blockchains. Uh, as a developer, if I wanted to send a message, let's say from Ethereum to Solana, all I need to do is uh, go to layer zero's smart contract on Ethereum, send any message I want, and it's received on Solana on the other side, really easily, really cheap. Could you talk to me about the difference between, I know Layers here talks a lot about sending messages between blockchains, but in my mind, I always think about blockchains telling, sending transactions between each other. So what's the difference between these messages and the transaction? A message can literally be any arbitrary data. It doesn't have to be a token. It could literally just be a hello from, uh, from Solana to, and a hello to Ethereum. So the cool thing about the messages is that they're completely generalized, meaning that you've just given the developer essentially a telephone between blockchains, right? And now it's up to the developer to decide what to send, you know? So the developer can use that for games, they can use it for exchanges, they can use it for bridges. So there's all kinds of things you can do with an arbitrary message. So essentially, Laser is essentially a telephone for developers between blockchains. Right, so instead of just sending transactions and transferring value, it's actually allowing a programmable message per se. You want to actually, you know, if if this occurs, then do this on your blockchain kind of thing. So for example, one really cool thing that came out of layer zero that I didn't see coming was this whole idea of uh, an omni-chain fungible token. Bridges before used to be really difficult to use. Uh, for example, if you wanted to send Ethereum to Solana, you know, you needed to create a wrapped version of Ethereum on Solana side. And then you also needed to create a pool on, on Solana side so that, you know, if you deposit Ethereum, uh, you know, it, on the Ethereum side, uh, it's locked 
in that side, and then it's kind of released from a pool on the other side. Great, I mean, that works, but it's just kind of cumbersome. The whole idea of an omnichain fungible token is that uh, you've got a token on Ethereum and you've just given it a couple of extra functions, that's all, but it's still ERC-20. Uh, when you send it into uh, sort of like a bridging contract, it burns itself. It literally just burns itself, it destroys itself, and then it sends a message uh, to Solana's side saying, hey, uh, I need you to quickly mint me on this side. Um, and so these tokens can just move freely, cheaply, without really needing any bridges or pools or complicated setups. It's just a message going from one side to another. Hey, I just burned myself. Hey, uh, you know, create me on the other side. Yeah, and that's a big difference because now instead of having that huge honeypot of an address that's holding all the IOUs of Ethereum, in the example that you're using, you are removing it from circulation. So the value actually gets transferred to the other blockchain. Whereas when you wrap ETH onto Solana, the value is actually still held on the Ethereum chain. And when you have bridge hacks, people obviously take the Ethereum and the Ethereum derivative, the Ethereum IOU and Solana would go to zero if that wrapped Ethereum was ever to disappear. In this case, what you're saying is that the value on the Ethereum chain disappears because it appears and gets minted on Solana and gets burnt on the Ethereum side. There's no smart contract that you can guarantee is 100% safe. Uh, you know, layer zero hasn't been around for too long, but then it does remove that whole risk where, you know, if a hacker, let's say, got into a pool or hacked into a bridge, you know, that could be millions, hundreds of millions of dollars in there, and they could just take it out from the pool really quickly. In this case, when you're using an omnichain fungible token, there is no pool to hack. At best, if a hacker were to be able to, assuming it's possible, the only thing they could manage would be to hack maybe a transaction, maybe a couple of transactions before everybody found out and they halted, um, you know, the bridge. Uh, so it, it does make things way more secure and it does reduce the size of the honeypot, which also reduces the incentive to hack. And so do you know when the burning mechanism, is it actually removing the token from circulation or is it moving the token to a burn address? Because typically when you people talk about burning, what actually happens is it's a address that no one has the private keys for and people just, they dump the coins in there never to be retrieved. Is that doing that or is it doing something different? Yeah, so it, it takes it to a burn address. Um, so yeah, it, it's actually uh, like a standardized function and a standardized address. Uh, when you're on Ethereum, you call burn and it sends it to, I guess, zero X or whatever the burn address is on Ethereum. So it, it takes that specific token completely forever out of circulation. And so I guess who's behind this, this project for layer zero? Who's building it? Uh, surprisingly, uh, just a bunch of developers that used to be in Web2, I believe they worked in, uh, believe it or not, uh, gambling. <laughs> uh, gambling startups and so on and i guess they just found it interesting and they moved to uh, web3 now the cool thing about layer zero is the amount of interest is actually generated from investors uh, like sort of delphi labs and polygon and coinbase uniswap and they haven't done an ico or ie or anything like that and they've raised upwards of 100 billion dollars uh, so i guess it's generated quite a bit of investor interest there's certainly a lot of interest in that I've seen, and there's plenty of projects out there who are talking about wanting to use layer zero. Uh, but 
what what are the potential use cases, I guess, and who's actually building on Layer Zero at the moment? I guess the one that kind of excites me the most is USDC. They've upgraded their token to become omnichain fungible, or at least they're doing it on testnet so far. So that's kind of cool being able to move USDC between bases. Uh, the other person uh, that has built on that is a project called Stargate. They might actually be very closely related to Layer Zero. So Stargate is a, a nice bridge uh, you can use between, uh, I guess, uh, stables uh, between different blockchains. So that's kind of interesting. It's got quite a bit of volume there. Uh, uh, nothing amazing, though. It's a bridge. You know, it's a cheap bridge. Uh, I believe Sushi and Trader Joe are also playing around with it. So there's a couple of projects playing around with it, but we haven't seen anything uh, massive yet that has been built been built on top of Layer Zero. Now, in terms of what's possible uh, with sending uh, messages across quite cheap, I think you can do some really cool things, like uh, you can probably build really cool uh, exchanges. So normally, when you want to trade tokens uh, between two bridges, it's kind of tricky because you want one pool of uh, a two-sided pool on one side and then a two-sided pool on another blockchain with uh, you know with one of the tokens they're being wrapped because that's kind of how you do the accounting. So if you can send cheap messages, you can actually just have sort of an AMM that sits in the middle and then you can just have a single-sided pool on one side, a single-sided pool on the other side and you let the messages, the AMM just calculate the balances and you know the prices just by using layer zero as a messaging layer. So there's some pretty yeah. cool stuff that you can do. Yeah. yeah but we haven't done it yet. We haven't seen it yet. Yeah. That that seems to be the real future use case for it that I see. When when people have used like Uniswap or SushiSwap and you're you're on like your MetaMask and you're trying to choose which network to be on, you've got to select Ethereum, Arbitrum, Optimism, whichever one you actually want to transact on, but they don't talked between them so i think the future of layer zero is actually you just use sushi swap and you don't know whether you're on the ethereum mainnet or the binance smart chain or optimism or arbitrum it will do the transaction for you between all of them which kind of gets to the point of you know that interoperability is there because now people don't know even what layer two solution they're even working on the project is just kind of finding the best cheapest way to do that transaction for you and I also can see it working on like Aave. Aave obviously now is multi-chain, but you still have to choose the chain that you want to work on. So I can imagine that Aave in the future would simply have its aggregated yield across all the chains and you don't actually have to choose which chain you're working on. But this brings a question to me, that how does that work from a security side of things? How does that keep people's money safe when you actually even don't even know what chain you're working on? I would say that the user shouldn't really need to know what chain they're on. Really, all of that stuff should be abstracted by the developers. Uh, in terms of security, uh, I would say that Laser is probably a little bit more secure uh, than other protocols are out there because it negates the, the need to use pools. But then the other thing is that it's a very new, it's a very new network. You know, I think it's only been around for probably maybe just a little bit maybe just under a year uh, and that means that it hasn't really been tested yet in terms of security like a true test is you know no one has been able to hack it there's heaps of money in the network and you know it's been around for years so it's still new so we can't really guarantee the security we, we can guarantee it mathematically but we've seen that you, you know we've seen those guarantees before like <laughs> sometimes you know somebody might find a, a loophole in there so security is only tested when there's a big enough honeypot that hackers go after it <laughs> and can't get yeah, that's it. it. That's, that's when it's proven because otherwise, 
hackers will spend their time on something that's got more money potentially for them. 100%. <laughs> and so I guess going forward with Layer Zero, how doesn't have a token yet as far as I'm aware, but as an investment purpose, how would a token work on Layer Zero when it's supposed to be interoperable working on between blockchains? Is there a token? Is it investable for us? I don't think there's any staking incentive for Layer Zero. I think the only th uh, use for a token would be fees. Uh, right now, I believe it charges fees based on the destination chain's uh, uh, token, but uh, Layer Zero could probably have a fee-based token, uh, maybe governance as well. Uh, but another cool way to look at it is, well, who's going to build on layer zero? Uh, because that might be something interesting to invest in. So layer zero might not be directly uh, something that we may be able to invest in, depending on the fee structure, but the projects that build on top of it might be really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it goes back to, I guess, my example earlier when I talked about Aave, is that Aave is you know, the biggest lending borrowing platform out there. It's got all the liquidity. It's been battle tested. So for someone to take over that, they have to have a step change better than Aave to ever really run it down from a network effect kind of thing. And so something like Layer Zero built really well on it could potentially run it down because if it makes everything easier to go between chains, if it makes it seamless for, for users, that is a step change from what Aave is currently not doing. It would be the same for Uniswap. If someone can run down Uniswap as far as a decentralized exchange, they have to make it even easier for the user and i think layer zero is potentially what could do that oh yeah i mean i can see an into blockchain lending protocol you deposit your eth get solana deposit your sol get bitcoin or something like that so yeah i mean I, I think there's some really interesting applications that could be built on layer zero and if we keep our eyes peeled there might be some really cool investment on opportunities for protocols that build on top of layer zero could be really cool yeah, just one more question I wanted to ask you, Will, before we finish this one up, is that Layer Zero, is it only Ethereum compatible chains? We talked about Solana before. How does Layer Zero jump that ability to go between Solana and Ethereum? That's the other thing that is super exciting about Layer Zero is that they, the way they've designed it, they've made it so that it's really easy to integrate new blockchains. And I was just looking at the list today and it's huge. So it's starts off as EVM, but it really goes everywhere. I mean, there's Ethereum, Binance, Avalanche, Aptos, Polygon, Arbitrum, blockchains I've never heard about, Swimmer, uh, Dexalot, Fuse. So the list just goes on, on and on, and it's really uh, any blockchain. I know they're working on Solana, Solana is on Testnet. So it, it has the ability to connect any blockchain that is a smart contract. <laughs> awesome, mate. Well, Thank you for your time again, mate, Layer Zero. Very interesting. And I think it is a big step in the future for making blockchain more seamless for users. What do you think? I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what's built on top of it. Awesome, Will. Till next time. Yeah. Until next time, Simon. <laughs>